back Proverbs chapter 31 this morning. Proverbs chapter 31, that's an interesting book, it's an interesting chapter. Proverbs, I remember every time I think that I heard Pastor Bilbo preach up here, he would always say, read your proverb a day, that's a good thing to go by, kind of fits inside of a month. Most of the time, double up and make it fit almost every month, amen, so there's no problem with that. But Proverbs, the, the book of Proverbs spends 30 chapters proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, and it's, it proves it by the fact that you get uh, under conviction reading it. You, uh, Proverbs, each chapter covers at least 10 or 15 subjects, at least 10 or 15 different subjects each chapter, and it tells you what wisdom is. It gives you a description of wisdom, and I can't read it very far into any chapter without getting under considerable conviction because I'm not a very wise man, but that's, that's the way it works. You read the Bible, it doesn't match you, so you've got to make yourself match it. And, and the difference between those things is what we call conviction. You're convicted. You are convinced that it's right and you're wrong. And so as you go through 30 chapters of the book of Proverbs, it, it tells you basically how unwise men are. And it starts off pointing right at you. It doesn't say, my daughter. It says, my son. My son, my son, my son, my son. And for good measure, it throws in a few more. My son, my son. And then it gets to Proverbs 31 and talks about a virtuous woman. Strong woman. Wise woman. She, got, she opens her mouth with wisdom. That's what the verse says that we're going to look at, Proverbs 31, 26. It says she opened her mouth with wisdom. And it didn't say very much about what. It tells you what a wise man is, but don't describe him. It says you ought to be this way. And so that's a pretty interesting way of looking at, at things. And then Proverbs chapter 31 gets rid of the, the old stereotype of uh, male chauvinism. You know, I think a lot of times men, especially uh, in this, well, not in this day and time, you go back maybe two or three decades, and you get the, the definite impression that men only understand one verse when it concerns their wife and that she's to be a chase keeper at home, period. Nothing else, nothing else to look at, nothing else to consider, which is ignorance. Because if you've ever read about the, the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31, doesn't look to me like she's spending very much time at home at all. Have you read it? You want to argue? Have you memorized it? <laughs> I mean, do you know what's in there? She's in the marketplace. She's buying real estate. Now, I guess you could do that from your laptop, but it'd be pretty hard to do in the book and the time that the book of Proverbs was written. They didn't have Google. Amen. That's just a plain honest truth, isn't it? Well, a, a wise person, virtuous person, get out of the house and go. Do something, make something, amen. If you don't believe it, we'll just read it as our opening uh, introduction here. Uh, verse number, uh, verse number. we'll have to read it quickly, though, because I've got a lot of material to cover. It says, uh, verse 10, it says, Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband, 
the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her. There's the issue right there. Amen. The reason a lot of fellows don't want their wife to get out of their sight because they don't trust her. That, does that make plain good old sense to you? It makes good sense, don't it? Well, my wife ain't running around, I tell you that. That's because you're afraid she'll run around. Why is it so quiet in here? Everybody's supposed to be saying, Hey, man, preacher, that's good stuff. Oh, you ain't afraid to let her run to the refrigerator, get you a new cup of tea. That ain't what God made her for. God put Adam in the garden and said, keep this garden. That garden was for their life and for their health and for their endurance and for their longevity. And part of her job was to help him do that. Amen. We just apply that to your house and you'll see what she ought to be doing, what she could be doing. Amen. You're welcome. It feels like I'm preaching against pornography. That's that's what it, that's the when you start preaching about really hard, deep stuff, and you get that a lot of people participate in. You get that kind of a quiet hush, and you can almost feel it pushing back. You ever took two magnets and tried to put the, you know, they've got a positive and a negative side, and you try to put two positive sides of a magnet together, how it pushes. You get that while you're preaching quite often. Amen. Mm-hmm. What you need to do. Uh, turn around, amen. Amen. Amen, that's exactly right. Amen. Well, look here. It says, the heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have, so that he shall have no need of spoil. He don't got to go rob somebody else. He's just got to, you know, live and do what he's supposed to do. His wife lives and does what she's supposed to do, and, and they prosper. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. If you've got a strong woman, you don't have to worry about it. You say, well, the possibility is, didn't say nothing about possibilities. It said she will do him good all the days of his life. That's a prophecy. Now, if you get some weak-minded bimbo that cares more about makeup than she does good sense and hard work, then you might have yourself a problem. I don't know if you can trust her or not. If she cares more about showing off her legs than she does her sense and her wisdom, then you might have a problem going forward. But you chose that. So you chose a life of worry. Amen. And that's true in most areas of your life. You You choose your own future. You choose wisely, you've got a secure future. You choose unwisely, you've got some stuff to worry about. Preacher, I've had problem with worry. You deserve it. You, you, you better worry because the things you're not standing on stable ground. If you're just walking across a rope bridge and th- three or four of the ropes was busted and broken, you should worry. Yeah. Amen? Amen. Amen? When the Bible says be careful for nothing, that's not talking about tightrope walkers. They should be careful. When it says be careful for nothing, it's talking about men who are following the Lord. Then you don't have to be careful. You don't have to be full of cares and full of anxiety. You just trust the Lord and walk on. Do what he tells you to do, even if the rope falls. Here we go, Lord. Going to be a fun trip to the bottom. That's true. Great peace have they that love thy law. 
And that's what we're going to talk about th- uh, this morning, the law. Verse number 13. Well, I'm going to move on past this because I don't have time to preach this whole chapter. So let's go down to verse number, let's go down to verse 24. We'll start there. She maketh fine linen and selleth it, delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Uh, strength and honor her, are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Another prophecy. She shall rejoice in time to come. Sometimes you don't get, you don't feel like rejoicing too much when you're working hard, but when the payoff comes, that's when you rejoice. Amen. A lot of people are very interested in having fun, and they enjoy it while it happens, but when the payoff comes, it's not that enjoyable. You reap what you sow. You see how the Bible fits together real easy. Verse 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom, and here's my text. In her tongue is the law of kindness. Now, you heard Brother Samson preach a message here about kindness, and I believe he preached it again up at the Youth Ablaze, and the, the kids enjoyed that. And so I want to preach on the law of kindness this morning, but I don't want to preach the same kind of sermon that Brother Samson preached. He preached the message, message encouraging folks to be kind and to be kind to one another. And that's a good message and a needful message, but I want to preach it a little bit different. I want to simply define to you this morning what the law of kindness is, what the law of kindness is. It's a law, right? Well, if it's a law, it can be broken, but it can also be defined. If there's a law, you, I mean, you can't tell me there's a law and then not tell me what it is. Sir, I'm pulling you over for breaking the speed limit. Well, I don't know what the speed limit is. Sure you do. It's posted every quarter of a mile, every half a mile. You know what it is. So the only way you can be held accountable of something is that if it's posted, if, it, if, it's, if it's certain, if it's well explained, if you, under, if you don't understand what it is, then there's, uh, there's a lack of communication there. But if you understand what it is, then you'll be held accountable for it. Amen. So uh, I don't know if I should tell you what it is or not, but <laughs> that's what the Lord asked me to do this morning, Lord, what the Lord told me to do this morning. So that's what we're going to do. Here we have a law. It says, uh, verse number 26, she openeth her mouth with wisdom. If you're going to open your mouth, I suggest you do that whether you're a she or a he. Amen. That'd be good for you. And it, it says uh, in the second part of the verse, in her tongue is the law of kindness. Now let's pray right there. Lord, we thank you this morning for your goodness and your grace. I pray that you would help me to teach just a few minutes on this. Help me to preach as you would have it. And I'll thank you and praise you, God, for all that you do. Get glory to your own name. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now what we have here is a law. A law. I want to repeat it one more time so I can say the next phrase. It's a law. It's not an emotion. Amen? Does that make good sense? Kindness is a law. It's not an emotion. It, the, the law of kindness is not, thou shalt be nice. You with me? You say, why not? The word nice and the word kind are two different words. They're two, two different words, and we'll look at that. I want to give you the definition. Anytime you're going to teach about something, uh, love, Kindness, whatever the sanctification, justification, security, anytime you want to teach on something, you want to give the definition of the word. Because that's where we get the meaning of things. I was reading my Bible, you know, and I thought this word meant that and preached a sermon that don't even match the definition of the words. That doesn't make much sense, does it? And then you get religious people instead of people who have a relationship with the Lord. That's true. You've got to use your dictionary. 
People say, well, the Bible's too hard to read. Uh, to read. Get you a dictionary. <laughs> Does that make sense? I recommend a dictionary. A dictionary will help you out with words you don't understand. So the word kindness means goodwill, 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 W-I-L-L, goodwill. That means it's something on the inside. It has to do with your will. It affects your will. I don't know what a Calvinist would do. They ain't got no will. But it says a goodwill, goodwill, benevolence. Uh, that's a word inside the definition, but I'll give you the definition of benevolence. It's a disposition to do good. It's a disposition to do good. You say, well, that fellow never does nothing good for anybody. It's because his disposition's messed up. Disposition go along with your character. You could say character, disposition. He's disposed to do it. He's a real nice guy. Well, he's been nice all of his life like that. He's a jerk. Well, he's been a jerk his whole life. That's his disposition. It's part of his will. See, there's good will. There's bad will. Bad will, you could usually just call it this, selfish will. Selfish will. Selfish person can't be kind, don't know how to do it. That's true. But benevolence, it's a disposition to do good. And let me say this, because you're going to have to remember this the rest of the sermon in order to keep up with it. When I say it's a disposition to do good, it's a person, I want to simplify it a little bit more and let you know it's a responsible, mature person. Remember I said that, that, uh, that kindness is not an emotion. You're going to learn, and I hope you'll learn this because I'm going to give you the answer before the test. Kindness is, is a responsibility. It's a responsibility. It really is. And it's, it's usually only used by those that are mature. Not too many kind 12-year-olds. 12-year, not, not to say that there's not any, because I don't like to throw blanket statements like that. But it's hard to find kindness in a child. I'm not saying there's not any. I'm saying it's harder to find, some, to find kindness in somebody that's not mature. So we'll look at that a little bit more in a little bit. Now let me read you the whole definition again of kindness. It's goodwill. It's benevolence. It's any act of benevolence. See, in the definition, they talk about the will first, and then they talk about acts. You know, there's a lot of people, uh, especially Proverbs 1 through 30, there's a lot of people that, that uh, maybe do kind things out of their own, you know, craftiness, I'll, be, I'll do this, and then I'll get this in return, and I'll get this. But what you're talking about with a good will, with somebody that really has benevolence, they're interested in doing kindness for the benefit of somebody else. And if you'll think about it, and we'll get to this in a little bit, and I want you to understand it beforehand, when I'm talking about doing somebody, something good for the benefit of somebody else, your mind ought to race right over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and it ought to remind you of charity. You know, I, I don't like it. I, oftentimes I'll see somebody with a little plaque on their wall at their house, and it, it'll, be, uh, it'll be full of quotations from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, but it changes charity to love. And charity and love is not the same thing. You cannot replace the word charity with love. I love chocolate. And the love of chocolate is not charity. Amen. I could, it, it would be possible for me to love the company of my wife but not have any uh, idea or inkling for her benefit at all, which is usually what you get with, when two teenagers try to start sparking. That's right. 
Oh, I can't live without you. Well, that's, that's not even love. I can't live without you. That's lust. That's not love. Love is whichever way you want to be happy is right for me. That's good for me. You want to move off to Timbuktu and leave me here? I wish you the best. I'd like to go with you, but if you don't go, want to go with me, I can live as long as you're happy. That's love, and it's also charity. But I love chocolate, or I love you, and if you don't stay with me, I'm going to kill you. That's not love. Does that make sense? I hope it does, because it's not the same thing. Amen. Amen. Now, this definition of kindness is it's goodwill, it's benevolence, it's any... Now, once you've got the will straightened out, it's any act of benevolence which promotes happiness or the welfare of others. I'm doing this for you. As Jesus would say, all, I, all this I did for thee. Amen. You've heard, that, you've heard that poetry before, hadn't you? Now, this kindness is a description of a disposition. I've already read that in the definition. So we ought to be able to find a matching definition from the root word of the word, kindness. What's the root word of it? It's not nice. The root word of the word kindness is not nice. It's kind. Now, if you look up the definition of kind, you've got to get a whole list of things. Well, let's go through them. One, one, the first definition of the word kind is race. Does that fit what we're talking about? No. Like race of men. White, black, red, Chinese, American race. Amen? America's not really a race of folks anyway. It's a mixture of folks. But that doesn't fit our definition. Sort. You might have one sort of seed and it'll make one sort of plant. You might have one a different sort of seed might make a different kind of plant. So that's not what we're talking about. A particular na- nature, not, that's not what we're talking about. That definition has to do with something else. A particular nature, a natural state, which means uh, a produce or commodity. You go to the store 100 years ago, you might not have $5, but you might have some eggs. You might switch those eggs for, uh, for kind, groceries for groceries. I'll give you these eggs, you give me some butter. But that don't fit what we're preaching about. I certainly don't want to preach about eggs and butter this morning. Amen. So that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about kindness. But definition number five, I think, will fit. It's nature, natural propensity or determination. Do you think determination would fit goodwill? I know if some people you're going to run across in your life, you're going to have to have uh, a, a certain uh, determination to be kind to them. Amen. It doesn't mean that you ought not be kind to them. It's just going to be more difficult. Some people you run into, it's going to be more difficult to be kind to them than it is others. Somebody be saying, yeah, I married that person. (laughs) Amen. Well, you done signed the contract. They used to tell the boys that wanted to get out of the Marine Corps, I don't want to be here no more. They'd say, you signed the contract. <laughs> you know, they weren't much interested in whether you wanted to get out or not. All they was interested in getting you in. It's a natural propensity. It's a propensity or determination. Uh, but in, in one sense, if you look at that, if it's a disposition also, if it's your character and if you're following responsibility, it's, it's something that you really don't, you really don't have to try very hard to do it in its, in its basic, most simple form. Now, what you do is you be kind to somebody and they mistreat you, and you be kind to them, they mistreat you, and it becomes hard. Right? 
But after you've, uh, after you've been kind to a knucklehead 700 times, you begin to think, why do I get myself it? Well, there's something inside that naturally brings you to do it. Or there's something inside that naturally causes you to be unkind. You ever been nice to somebody or kind to somebody, I should say, and kept doing kindness for them? And on the other hand, they kept on with consistency being unkind to you. You're trying to do something that works out to their benefit, and they keep doing stuff that doesn't benefit you. And some people will say, well, you're stupid if you keep doing that over and over. Some people can't help it because they are kind. They're mature. They're responsible. Amen. Does that make sense? Well, a person would be silly to keep on treating somebody with kindness after they've done them wrong so many times. You mean like the Lord and how he treats you after you've been unfaithful and foolish and sinful and reluctant? And apathetic, but he keeps on showing you kindness after kindness. Well, if a person is following the law of kindness, they're following a law that was set down by an infinite, almighty, all-knowing creator. Amen. Did you know you have some traits that are like his? You're angry. The Lord is angry with the wicked every day. Did you know the Bible says our God is a jealous God? Did you, have you ever been, preacher, I'm not jealous at all. Well, you must not have anything worth keeping. Amen. That's just the truth. Well, then on the same, well, those are what, what people call negative emotions, jealousy and, and anger. People call those negative emotions. Well, how about this positive one, kindness? You still have it because... Or at least you have access to it because the, the creator that made you said, let us make man in our image. A lot of things go with that. So we're talking about a natural, a natural propensity. It doesn't have to be taught. It just have to, has to be refined. And we're talking about maturity when we're talking about refining these characteristics. So it's an innate. That means you was born with it. It's an inner. Now, I'm giving you the summary of this definition for natural propensity or determination. Innate interest uh, or desire that determines or draws you to those who are like you. In the modern day, that's a sin. Now, what I just gave you is a, is a real and true definition. If you want to fight against that, you'll be fighting outside the laws of nature. Now, if you don't know anything about the laws of nature, I recommend a fellow named John Locke. He explains the law of nature pretty good. Of course, you'd have to get past fifth grade reading to read something like that. But if you want to learn and know what's going on in the world, I would read something like that. But I'm talking about an innate interest or desire that determines or draws you to those who are like you. Have you ever heard? I'll give you the simple side. I'll give you the kindergarten version. Birds of a feather flock together. Birds of a feather flock together. Now, just to give you, now if we get a fellow that comes in, he don't believe in eternal security. He believes in speaking in tongues. He believes in, you know, whatever else, whatever crazy off-the-wall stuff, going to miss the rapture and all this stuff. And it'd be hard for me to uh, show much kindness to him because I'm not naturally drawn to him. 
Now, there is some ways I can do that, and I'll explain that to you in just a few minutes, but I'm just talking about just for your general knowledge. It's hard for two people that are different to have much natural kindness because what, what you have to do in a situation like that is find common ground and convince yourself that there's a reason. You know what that takes? Now, on the first, on the first layer, if I meet somebody that don't believe right doctrines, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? That's what the Bible says. Now, if I find out we don't believe the same in our doctrine, if we don't believe the same in our political affiliations, if we don't believe the same thing in our cultural affiliations, how are we going to get along? We have to, I have to be mature enough to find common ground, don't I? Amen? If I'm saved and on my way to heaven and I run into a reprobate that cusses and drinks and beats his wife and all the things that I disagree with, I'm not going to have any natural, natural propensity to do that fellow any kindness whatsoever. Matter of fact, if I knew he was beating his wife or beating on his little children, I'd have a natural propensity to punch him in the nose. Amen. Well, brother Mike, pastors shouldn't punch people in the nose. Well, fire me. That's all I can say about that because, I mean, some things, some people need a punch in the nose. So it's going to take all of my philosophy and all of my religion to get down on my knees and pray about how I might be nice to this person. Uh, excuse me, I keep saying that, but it ain't so. Kind to this person. It's going it's to it's going to be all that I can muster in my flesh to pray for this person and ask God how I might benefit this person but that's my responsibility to do because kindness is a responsibility it's not emotion hate's an emotion love is very deeply connected to your emotion but love's an action it's like that everywhere in your bible for God so loved the world that he gave behold what manner of love the father hath bestowed behold it didn't say feel it behold it look at it if a, if a person is a good Christian, you can look at him and see the love that God's invested in him. And we love him because he first loved us. That's, that's, a, that's something that's very easy to understand. Well, there's, a, there's an innate interest and desire that determines or draws you to those who are like you. And when I say interest and desire, that's two sides of the spectrum. And there's a sliding scale in between those two things. I'm going to show you a verse in Proverbs in a little bit that says a man's kindness connected to his desire. I want this, so I'm going to do this for you as a benefit so I can get what I desire. Any ladies ever met a fella like that? You know, you don't meet very many women like that. I'm not saying you don't ever, because the devils went a long ways of corrupting the way ladies are in our, in our culture, in our society. I'm talking about a free society, an American society, which is a lot different now than it was even 30 or 40 years ago. Amen? Uh, 40 or 50 years ago, I mean, at least where I'm from, you'd be hard-pressed to find a woman out in the open saying curse words. Yeah. Now they, they do it openly and all the time. Some of the women worse than the men. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Drunk in public, you see that. Men in public, drunk in public. You didn't used to see a lot of women drunk in public, stuff like that. Amen. You come a long way, baby. Amen. So there's a, there's a scale there, but we won't talk too much about that. We can later. Ask me after church and we'll make an appointment. Amen. 
Amen. Well, I've already went over this, so I don't have to do this again. Let me save a little bit of time. Let me just go through it again, though, and list it. It's not an emotion. The law of kindness has nothing to do with emotion. It's responsibility to those who are like you. And I I imagine that there might be some that would argue with that, but you have to understand that because that's the natural side of it. You don't see crows and pelicans hanging out. You just don't do it. They would have to find common ground, and they would once the. I mean, their their animal instincts will have them eating one another before lions and pigs hang out with one another. The lion says, "I know I should be trying to find a way to help you out, but I think I'll just eat you." <laughs> and the more base you get, as far as man is concerned, the more base that he is, the more unlearned and especially the more unspiritual he is, he'll just devour you. And that's why the Lord said, he said, uh, be careful that you don't devour one another. I think it's one of the most, it's actually one of the funnier verses in the Bible. He says, if you bite one another, be careful that you don't devour one another. (laughs) Don't eat them all. (laughs) That's funny to me. (laughs) I guess you got to Maybe you need Eddie Murphy to laugh, but I thought that was, I thought Paul did a good job right there. Amen. It's responsibility to those that are like you. And again, it's thou shalt not be nice. That, you know, that being nice part has to do with how much grace you have or how much tolerance you have. Now, I can do you a kindness without being nice to you at all. I'll prove that to you from the scripture in just a little bit. In just a little bit. Now, let's run through some scriptures now, shall we? Boy, I, this hour's just flying by. Not only did they steal an hour from us last night, somebody stole about half an hour out of this Sunday school lesson. And they'd done it somehow while I was talking. Romans chapter 12. Harold Seitler said you could finish up next week. So we might have to do that. Romans chapter 12, and look in verse number 18. If it be possible... See, sometimes, I said sometimes it might be more difficult than others. But if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Live peaceably with all men. All men. Live peaceably as much as is possible. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So there's, there is at least the sentiment there that it's going to be uh, possible, but as it's much as lieth in you might be some difficulty possible but there might be some difficulty as well let's look at Colossians chapter 4 Colossians chapter 4 I hope you know your Bible order Colossians chapter number 4 and verse number 5 it says walk in wisdom Colossians 4 verse 5 walk in wisdom toward them that are without so as soon as I say be kind to those that are like you, I can imagine some Christians saying, well, I don't have to be kind to folks that are lost. Or if you're sober and you've got a drunkard in the family, you say, well, I don't have to be kind to him because he's a drunkard. Or you might say, I'm straight because I was born this way and that fellow's a homosexual, I can be unkind to him. That's not true. It's the people that are in the darkest parts of their own mind that need, need the kindness. I said the kindness, not the niceness. 
Amen. We'll, we'll explain that a little bit more as we go. First Thessalonians chapter 4. We're talking about being kind to those who are not exactly like you. First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 12. First Thessalonians 4.12. It says that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without. That's talking about folks that are outside the church. Outside, they're, they're lost. They're not in the church. They're out of the church. They're folks that are not like you. That ye may walk honestly toward them that are without and that ye may have lack of nothing. If you're really a, a truly a responsible Christian, you'll know and that you'll understand that just because something somebody doesn't believe or they don't believe exactly like you, that's not a license to mistreat them to cheat them, to get over on them. In the natural mind, I could come up with, a, in the natural mind, just with your natural mind, the carnal mind, I could come up with a justification for cheating the insurance company. Insurance companies cheated American citizens out of billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Number one, just by making it a law that you ought to have it. That you have to have it. That's fair to other drivers. It's fair to lenders. But there's a great deal of unfairness in the insurance industry. So just because your, but your carnal flesh can justify somebody cheating somebody that's cheating you, you can't do that as a Christian. Amen. To the unbelievers, you have to walk honestly towards them. And to walk honestly towards somebody is to walk to their benefit. If I'm honest with Brother Ken, that benefits Brother Ken. Amen. If I'm honest with the church when I preach, that benefits them. Amen. If I'm dishonest, if I'm a thief, it, it's to my benefit. It doesn't benefit them at all. Right? Absolutely. So kindness, it's a responsibility. It's naturally recognized. The law of, I want to give you the whole definition. We might have to finish the sermon next week. But I want to give you, I gave you the definition of kindness now I want to give you what I believe is the biblical definition of the law of kindness. The law of kindness is the responsibility under the law of nature. See, I gave you that in Romans chapter 12. As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. It's the law of kindness is the responsibility under the law of nature and the law of God. Now I could take you to Leviticus and Matthew, and we might do that next week. But you have a responsibility to walk honestly, to be honest. A lot of things that you should be to you, what they call your fellow man, or actually they're part of the law of God. Matter of fact, let's, let's go on back in Leviticus chapter 19. The law of kindness is the responsibility under the law of nature and the law of God to act in a manner beneficial to others. Let me read it again. The law of kindness is the responsibility under the law of nature Romans 12, 18, and the law of God to act in a manner beneficial to others. Now, let me finish turning there. I don't know why I expect you to listen and turn when I can't read and turn. Leviticus chapter number 19. Chapter number 19 and verse number 
18. Leviticus 19, 18. It says, now read this. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. That's the law of God. It says, don't hold a grudge. But notice what it says. Remember I said that the kindness was a disposition to do people with, to do people good who are like you? That's what the verse says, to thy people. When it comes to Amalekites, wipe them out. When it comes to the Philistines, beat them every chance you get. Isn't that what God told them to do? Wear them out. But he said, don't you hold a grudge against your people. Let's read the verse again. Ye shall keep my statutes. Thou shalt not let, uh, verse 18, excuse me, that verse 19. Verse 18, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. That's, that's one big period on the end of that statement, isn't it? You can just say something, put a little dot there if you want to, but the Lord said it and said, I'm the Lord. Exclamation point. Amen. That's good. He said, don't hold no grudges and don't avenge yourself. Correct? Amen. 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 Well, let's look again in Matthew chapter 19. And we'll have to stop here and pick it up next week. I hate that. I hate to have to split it up because sometimes you try to split something up, you come back the next week, the spirit ain't there like it was last week. But we'll just trust the Lord for it. Amen. Matthew chapter 19. Let's read this. Matthew chapter 19 and verse number 19. Matthew 19, 19. Things keep adding up like that for me lately. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's New Testament, and it says the same thing as the verse we just read back in the book of Leviticus. A lot of people say, well, we don't like legalism. We don't want to bring the law into the New Testament. The law is full in the New Testament. The New Testament's full of the law. But it's because the things that are commanded to do in the Old Testament ought to be part of the Christian disposition. It ought to be a Christian propensity. With the Holy Spirit in your heart, you've been made partakers of the divine nature. It ought to be easier for you to do good for your brother, for your brother. He said, well, I'll be good to my Christian brethren, but to nobody else. Uh Uh-uh. The law of kindness says you have a responsibility to live peaceably with them as much as lieth in you. Let's go go to the bar and have a good time tonight. Well, that doesn't lie in me. The Lord done took that out of me. That part's gone out of me. Well, let's hang out and cuss and carouse. No, I can't. that, That doesn't lie in me. It's not in me to do that no more. It's in my flesh, but I'm following a different spirit now can't do that see I can't I can't it it might be beneficial for you to hang out with me but I can't go that route because that's not the way I am no more well you ought to be just tolerant to everybody okay we should go to the bars no we shouldn't no sir we should participate in gay pride parades no we shouldn't he said because that's not us that's not who we are Amen. amen I'd like to continue on but I think I'll leave it off right there there's a few more verses if you want to look them up Matthew 22 verse 37 uh, through 39, you can look at that over the week if you want to. Romans chapter 1 and verse 31 has some things to say about different things like that. 
But again, let me read the definition of the law of kindness. It's the responsibility under the law of nature and the law of God to act in a manner beneficial to others. Now, we can finish the sermon next week uh, with, with relative ease, I believe. Amen? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. And I pray, God, that uh, you would help us, uh, Lord, if we have a problem with our disposition, if we have a natural propensity uh, to be unkind and not benefit other folks, then, Lord, I pray that you'd help us with that. And, Lord, I pray that you'd help me next week as I come in and, uh, and give some things that are uh, particulars about this and, and what kindness is. I pray you'd help me with that. And Lord, oftentimes it's been that if I've tried to finish something up on a second week, it just wasn't the same, didn't feel the same, didn't come out the same. I pray, you would, uh, I pray you'd help us with that this week and next week, and we'll thank you, God, for everything that you do for us. Bless your word, God. Open our hearts and our minds to it, and we'll thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus Christ's name we pray it. Amen. Amen. Take a little break now before the morning service.